Welcome to Short Course, episode 19, for June 8th, 2018. I'm your host, Ben Barry. A little less than two years ago, in 2016, I got married. Now, 2016 was also the year that I was trying to make Grandmaster in USPSA, which, obviously, those two things, well, they're, they're, not, a, <laughs> they're not as opposed as you might think, um, but, but there definitely was a, a little bit of conflict there. But what was interesting about getting married is, after that happened... My wife and I, we combined our finances, and we started attacking the debts that, that we had in common. And this month, you know, this is the, the beginning of the month, and we just sat down and did our did our budget meeting for June, and it looks like, she has asked me to knock on wood, it looks like we will be paying off the last of, of our debts this month. And that's... Good. That's cool. And it to me, it's a it's an excuse to talk about budgeting, and it's really lame. You would you might think, but it actually to me has been a really important part of the last couple of years. Getting married, combining finances, and still being able to shoot and practice and go to matches and compete at you know not not the infinite level that you might want, but at a level appropriate to making progress committing appropriate resources and and still being able to be active and participate in the sport and make headway. I mean, I I did make GM while we were, you know, chewing through this this pile of debt to to keep being able to make progress while also having the the spending under control, making progress in other financial goals and making, you know, being able to to save for the future and and pay off debt. So you might be asking, all right, so you're about to be out of debt what are you going to buy? Like, what's the big gun purchase you're going to make? And really, the answer is nothing. There's not anything that that I really want to run out and buy because through budgeting, through being financially responsible through this whole process, I actually pretty much have all the stuff that I want. I've got two good guns. I've got, you know, holster and a spare holster. I got mag pouches. I got plenty of spare mags. I got plenty of bullets and ammo. And, and you know, we'll get into all that. But even though we have been in the process of, of paying off this debt, it's been, we've been able to budget a reasonably small portion of our, of our income every month, you know, compared to living expenses and and what we've been putting towards the debt snowball that I actually am pretty content with what is there. And so there really isn't that urge to go out and, and start spending because through managing the budget, I already pretty much have everything that I, that I want. Now, that's not saying I have, you know, a zillion guns and everything under the sun, but to accomplish the goals that I want to accomplish in the sport, we've found the money in the budget by responsibly organizing our finances and in a way that, that we can allocate it. And I mean, what's funny is like, we've already got all the major matches for this year, almost entirely funded. We, we've got a couple more months that, that we'll be paying into that as nationals approaches. And we pay the last of the cost for that. But, you know, I'm, I, we're, I'm ahead on reloading supplies. We, we've actually got, you know, cash in the in the fund to buy reloading supplies, and I, I don't like I, I'm actually good on almost everything right now. So we're just letting that pile up, and so you know the the budget is is arranged in a way that it's it's already allocating what I need. Now, what's funny is most guys when they say on a budget, what they mean is they don't budget at all. You know, you you see a post about oh I need to need to get a you know, Glock on a budget, or, you know, I'm looking to get into USPSA on a budget. And the funny thing about that is every time I read that is it, it just screams to me that they, that they don't have a budget because to me, the, the value of a budget is that you decide how much you want to pay 
how often, and then you just let that build up and you can do as much as that budget allows. And so if you are trying to get into USPSA on a budget, then you should make a list of the stuff you want. And then, you know, maybe that'll be gun, mags, belt, iPro, ear pro, maybe that'll be a thousand bucks. And you say, you know, how fast can I save a thousand bucks or accumulate a thousand bucks worth of gear? Okay. It'll take me two months. Then I can start in USPSA in two months, but that's not what people mean when they say, I want to get into USPSA on a budget. They mean, you know, how can I make my own, <laughs> make my own holster and mag pouches and, you know, do all these things that ultimately end up being counterproductive. And really when you actually just work within a budget, it just becomes a simple question of how much can you save? How long can you save that for? And then it's, you just do the math of how many months it'll take. Or if you decide you have a, a, a certain time you want to have the money saved up by, then you just work backwards from that and say, okay, how much do I have to save every month? So from an actual, you know, nitty gritty budgeting perspective, basically all, all that a budget is, is, you know, at the top, you put the income that you bring into the house at the top. And then you have a prioritized list of, of all the expenses categorized really however you want. You know, there, there are templates out there and forms, but everybody's budget is a little bit different. And in, in our particular case, the, what we found is the, the way that, that it breaks out for shooting in our budget is three main categories, match fees, reloading, and then repairs and supplies. And that covers pretty much everything except for big purchases. So, you know, if I were going to, if I did want to buy a backup gun, you know, a third, a third Tanfo, something like that, then we would figure out how much that needed to be, decide how much we wanted to set aside towards that. And then that would determine how long we would need to save. So if it was going to be a thousand dollar gun and we can save 200 a month, then it'll take five months to, to be able to buy it. Now, the cool thing about that is as that fund builds up, as you get more money in that account for whatever the big purchase is, you start looking around for bargains and deals. And if you happen to see something available sooner for a better price, then maybe you don't have to save all the way up. If you don't, if you're surfing the forums and nothing shows up for a good deal, then you just keep saving up until you pay full retail and that's fine. You know, you it's you win either way. You, you set things up so that either you get a good deal ahead of time or you just play the waiting game and accumulate the money and, and just pay full price. Now, the other option, and, and the reason this is this is useful, is it does give you an incentive to look at what you have and see what you can do to speed up the process. So I actually, at the time that I got the my, my first stock too, I still had a Springfield TRP 1911, which is like it retails. It's like a $1,300 1911. It's nice. Like it's a, it's a good gun. It's a quality firearm. Uh, but I just, I wasn't shooting it. I just doubled down, you know, going from the MNP to a, a stock two in production, you know, I was really heavily investing in, in production and, and the odds of me going back and shooting single stack for even a match here and there really were just looking really slim. And so I looked at that gun and I said, okay, I can have this 1911 that I might shoot once a year for fun, or I can put it up on the forum, wait until I get a good amount of money for it. You know, I'm not in a hurry to sell it, but just wait until I get a good, a good buyer for it. And then turn around and take that money and, and buy a backup gun. And, you know, if if we hadn't been on a budget, you know, I might have just figured, oh, I'll wait until, you know, maybe my next bonus from work comes or, you know, something like that. But when, when we sat down and looked at it and said, okay, we can start saving up for this thing and it'll take X number of months, or I could just put this 1911 up for sale whenever it sells, boom, I get, you know, my, my backup gun. 
it it made the uh, the link between the two a lot more direct, and it sort of gave that incentive to to sell things off. Where I feel like I, I've never been much of a collector. I mean, I don't buy a lot of guns, but I also don't sell a lot of guns. But I feel like a lot of guys end up collecting guns in the safe, not collecting in the sense of trying to build a collection, but they just kind of pile up because there's not necessarily a sense that it's costing them anything to keep it. Where when I looked at my inventory, I said, well, I want a backup Tanfo. So that's more important than keeping this 1911. And at that point, the deal was done. So that's big purchases. Uh, budgeting for gun parts, that's actually a pretty small budget. Usually, you know, it ranges somewhere 50 to 100 bucks a month, um, just depending on whether I need to, whether there's something I'm saving up for. You know, if I were, if I were going to try and replace all my plastic DAA race masters with metal or DAA racer mag pouches with metal ones, we'd probably up that, you know, to, to accumulate that pile faster. But, you know, with a, a regular maintenance level of just new springs and, you know, a, a mag catcher to something like that in there, then, then that pile of money for, for gun parts and repairs, just it tends to just kind of pile up. What's nice about that is then you have some cash if you want to go as I did recently and, you know, try out a, a new type of holster, you know, it's just sitting in the, in the fund and you, you have the scratch and you can say, well, you know, I've, I've got this money in the fund saved up for this. I haven't bought anything else. Let's, let's use it for this purpose. The other nice thing is for expensive things, it kind of stops you from jumping around between gear too much. There was a, a time probably about two months ago when the fund was, was a little more depleted and, I'd been playing around with my grip, particularly the positioning of my strong hand thumb and Tamfolio, you know, the, the stock two comes with this two-sided safety that is, I guess you'd call it like a medium profile. It's, it's probably pretty wide by 1911 standards, but Tamfolio sells an even wider one. And I was kind of wondering, you know, it's angled a little bit differently in the, you know, I was curious, like, okay, what if I buy this safety? Will that solve these problems? Will it make this, these grip issues go away? And didn't have the funds in that account that month. And so I ended up saying, okay, well, you know, I'll write this down next month when the, when the budget rolls over and, and we refill that fund, I'll look at buying one then. By the time it rolled around, I'd figured out the problem and I didn't need it. I didn't need to buy the, the $73 gold team Tanfolio safety. And so if I had just impulse purchased it, it would just be a $73 paperweight sitting in my, in my parts bin right now when really all I needed was was a little bit of patience. So I actually am kind of glad for that. The, the other nice thing about sort of budgeting for large purchases is it helps you to avoid what I tend to think of as buying a really nice gun one piece at a time, or as, as I've come to call them, paycheck glocks, because for whatever reason, it's glocks that people tend to do this to. But, you know, they'll buy a five $600 Glock, whether usually it's a 40 cal, sometimes it's a, one of the nine millimeter ones, but you know, something like a, a Glock 35 and then, you know, they'll get another paycheck and they'll buy an SJC frame weight for it. And then they'll get another paycheck and they'll buy the brass magwell for it. And then they'll get another paycheck and they'll buy another, you know, a barrel for it. And then a Taylor freelance sight block for it. And then, you know, before you know it, this $600 Glock 35 has got $1,500 worth of parts in it. And if you tried to sell it to a gun store, they'd give you, you know, like seven or 800 for it, maybe. But by doing this, this sort of piecemeal, just buying whatever you have at the moment with the each paycheck, I think you, you know, you tend to end up with these guns where you would never sit down and decide you wanted to 
buy this gun and build it this way. It's just you end up buying it a piece at a time. And you can avoid that. You know, when you budget for something and you say, okay, before I even spend a dollar, like what is the gun that I want? Okay, I want a $2,200 STI Edge. Yes, it's going to be more than than this Glock, but it'll retain its value and it'll be the the actual the you know the gun that I want that'll actually be competitive and limited if that's you know where you wherever you want to shoot and then you make that decision and then you pile up cash slowly month after month you know you budget a certain amount the fund grows if you can find ways to sell other things to put money into that fund to speed it up great but you you decide before you just start laying down your credit card and, and buying things piece by piece you decide what you actually want the end result to be and generally speaking, you will get to that end result and, and you'll it'll be something you actually wanted where building one of these Franken Glocks, usually nobody actually sets out to build one. And along the way, you know, maybe you decide, uh, this is going too slow. I've got 1400 bucks in the account. Let me just buy a 10 folio limited gun. Maybe, maybe you'll be happy with that. Maybe you won't, but at least you, you have, you're, you're spending all the cash in sort of one block and making that decision in, in one chunk instead of just piecemealing it together. And so you do have options as as the, the money accumulates to either reassign it somewhere else. You know, maybe after saving up for a couple months, you decide, oh, maybe I actually want to do production. Well, if you got 800 bucks in your limited gun fund, you can have a production gun next month instead of a limited gun six months from now, that kind of thing. So I think it, it really helps you have take the long view with gear and make sure that you're buying the thing that you're actually going to want to be competitive in the division, in the sport, in the long run, and not just buying things a, a paycheck at a time. So that's the the gun parts uh, part of the budget. The the reloading fund for us is, I mean, it's super straightforward. I, I buy the same bullets every time. I buy the same primers every time. And I buy the same powder every time. And so we just budget a certain amount every month. And once the fund gets to a level where I can place a, a good size order, whether it's, you know, hazmat for powder and primers or it's a, a bulk shipping order for blue bullets. You guys might remember I was talking about it a couple of weeks ago on the podcast about you know running my supply blue bullets almost to the bottom as I was saving up for to get a, a ten thousand bullet order from them. That that's exactly what was happening. We were just waiting for the month to roll over and have the cash in the in the budget to just place that order for the the round ten thousand and and then just I mean now I've got a pile of bullets under the bench and. And I couldn't be happier. And actually, we're, we're pretty much set for a while on reloading supplies because we're actually funding we're funding that fund at a level higher than I'm actually shooting per month. And so so the surplus is building, which is, I mean, that's kind of cool. Uh, and then match fees. So you, this is just used for club matches. So this is usually pretty straightforward. I have a, a pretty well-known planned out and ahead match schedule you know when the match begins i kind of know which matches i'm going to shoot that month and if there's one that i decide to go to you know a weeknight match or something that i decide to go to usually that'll come out of maybe my pocket money fund and we might rebalance it at the next month but i mean usually not usually that that's more of a fun impulse thing and i guess there is a fourth category which is big matches and the, the way that, that we budget for big matches is at the beginning of the year, similar to what I was just saying about every month, you know, at the beginning of the year, we look at, okay, what's on the calendar? What are the big matches that I want to shoot this year? Estimate what they'll cost based on data from 
previous years if the match is going to be comparable or just you know coming up with a general estimate of okay what do the hotels in the area cost what's a plane ticket cost what does it cost to drive what was the match fee last year what was the round count last year and just really quickly you can come up with an estimate of what the match is going to cost tally all that up and then at the beginning of the year once we'd hammered that out we said okay if we want to go to all these matches we're going to need this much divide that by the number of months remaining that's how much that's that's how much we budget every month that's how much we save and that fund just grows over time and the cool thing about that is when unexpected expenses come in the sense that like nationals registration this year was in february january it was crazy early this year uh, because they were they got the planning out so far ahead we we had just already started piling up money in that fund and so we you know we didn't have to scramble and try and come up with the cash short notice we'd we'd already set it aside for big matches and we just said oh well all right i guess this is getting paid a little bit ahead of schedule a little bit of uh, ahead of what we were expecting but you know not too far and so it it really was not a, a strain on our budget because we we were already planning ahead for that other things to think about that sort of affect my thinking when it comes to money and budgeting in the shooting sports is just one-time costs versus ongoing costs. So to me, the the difference between something like production and limited is actually not so much the difference in the cost of the guns, you know, whether I have to buy $2,000 guns or two $2,200 guns. It's more about what kind of parts do I have to put in them to keep them running? Is the ammo more expensive? Is it you know, are they more finicky? Am I going to have to spend more time debugging them? You know, not just ongoing costs in terms of money, but in, in terms of time. It, you know, what what am I signing up for today? You know, what's the known fixed entry price? And then what's the ongoing maintenance burden? And honestly, not that I'm really itching to go shoot carry optics, but it's I, like, it's it looks kind of cool. The cost, the ongoing cost, if you can get reliable optics, is pretty low because it's nine millimeter. You're, you're shooting ammo costs comparable to production. So that's attractive to me, but there's so much uncertainty with optics. You know, they, they, I hear so many things about different optics breaking, some being reliable, some not being, you know, how many people are really thrashing on them at a, you know, national level. And so that unknown, you know, the, the variability of having to buy an extra two, $300 optic, it just, eh, you know, it's, it's not the upfront cost there that gets me, you know, SIG X5s are on the market. They're totally reasonably priced. It's, how much are the optics going to cost in an ongoing manner? And how long is it until you can just buy once, cry once on those and, and be done with it? So I think it's it's just interesting that the the sport has this sort of stigma or label. You know, I think we, th- we tend to think of it as being an expensive sport. But a lot of that is because so much of the sport, if you want to do it right, I think you need to buy things in big chunks. You know, you need to buy a $2,000 gun, or you need to buy bullets a thousand, ten, sorry, 10,000 at a time. You need to buy eight or 16 pounds of powder at a time, that kind of thing. And so that seems, you know, it, it hurts a lot because you're, you're spending all that in one go, but when you budget for it, you save up the money and then it almost becomes an inevitability. You know, when you say, okay, I'm going to budget 50 bucks a month for reloading supplies. And when it gets up to enough to buy a gallon of, or eight pounds of powder, I'm going to buy eight pounds of powder. And then it's just, it, it doesn't feel, it almost doesn't feel like painful to spend the money. You're just, you pile up the cash, you drain the account, you spend it on the thing you, you decided to buy. No big deal. So it's, it's been really helpful. Um, I, I really, you know, I, I, I just can't say how much it's, it's made a difference to me and just sort of having the stability and the predictability. Um, you know, obviously everybody's home life is a little bit different, but having, you know, being able to plan these things out with my wife. And so she's never surprised. It's never, oh, you came home with, 
you know, $400 worth of what? Well, it was on sale. So, you know, um, none of that. It just, it, it doesn't happen. If you like, as far as direct recommendations go, the, you know, we have been followers of Dave Ramsey. You know, it's, it's real basic principles, live on less than you make, know how much you earn, write out your expenses. So you know how much you spend in a month. If you're spending more than you earn, obviously that's a problem, you know, work to change the ratio there. So you're, you're living on less than you make. That way you can start paying down debts, save up a little bit of money. You know, the importance of having the budget, you know, without the budget, you just, it's, it's your roadmap. You don't know where you're going without it. Uh, the idea of, you know, a prioritized list, you know, he calls them baby steps, but I mean, it's basically a, a prioritized list of low hanging fruit. You, you get your, your basic emergency fund to, to cover unforeseen expenses. And then you list your, your debts, smallest to largest, and you just start working down them. And it, I mean, it's, it's almost like working on a list of deficiencies coming out of a match. You know, it's, it's just like practice. You have to focus on one thing at a time. If you want to get better, you can't, you know, you can't fix your, your grip and your movement and your trigger pulling and your shot calling, you know, all in the same drill. Like you got to pick one thing at a time and work on it in in, uh, in practice. And budgeting is the same way. You got to have one focus, chip away at it, and then when it's done, move on to the next one. So, you know, the emergency fund, then the debt snowball, you know, suspend stuff like retirement, you know, so you can focus full time on, on getting out of debt and then build your wealth once you control your income, that whole thing, you know, and then he's a he's a big proponent of the idea of a sinking fund for big purchases. So if you know you're going to need to buy a new $5,000 car in a year, divide 5,000 by 12 months, that's how much you need to save every month, you know, same idea. So if you listen to this podcast, obviously you listen to podcasts. So, you know, he he puts out his podcast, it's 3 hours every day, it's free, it's it's good background listening, you know, it's it's not super engaging. You know, I try and keep this podcast pretty dense. His is a little more back and forth bantering with callers and that kind of thing. So it's, you know, it's good to listen to in the car, that kind of thing. But, um, you know, I, I'd recommend it. It's, it's definitely been a, a positive impact in my life. And, uh, if you decide to, to go through that, you know, sign up for the, the class FPU, it's like, it's only a hundred bucks. It's the best money you'll ever spend. And, you know, you don't have to buy into it a hundred percent. And you don't even have to be all that religious, you know, my, my wife and I aren't, but the financial principles that he talks about that the Bible mentions, by the way, you know, stuff like having stores of, of food and oil in your house in case there's, you know, a shortage, you know, I mean, it's, 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 it's wisdom of a different kind. It's not, you know, do it because Jesus says it's not anything like that. So that wraps up this episode of short course. You can follow me on Facebook at Ben Barry shooting and Instagram at BS Barry. I post a video of all my matches at youtube.com slash benberryuspsa. My email is podcast at berryshooting.com. Talk to you next time.